Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Chloe Shaw is the author of What is a Dog? A memoir. Chloe lives in Connecticut with her husband, two kids, and two dogs. What is a Dog? is her literary debut. Welcome, Chloe. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss What is a Dog? Thank you. I was crying in the first chapter of this book, which is when I know I love a book. (laughs) It's so good. You're such a good writer. It's so amazing and emotional and beautiful. So anyway, bravo to you. Thank you. Why don't you tell listeners a little about what your book is about and what inspired you to write this memoir? So the book is about the six dogs that I've been lucky enough to have in my life, two of which I still have, two of whom I still have. And it really was inspired by an essay I wrote about Booker, who's on the cover of the book, the dog that my husband had when we met. And he was kind of the dog that, you know, I had a beloved dog in my childhood who carried me through my whole, really from like five years old through up to college, like almost the day I left for college, she died. 
and I was, I'm an only child and I lived in a, a loving but quiet household. You know, there wasn't a lot of shared emotions and I learned to kind of lean on Agatha, my Scotty, to kind of express myself and be in my room with her and spend time under our piano with her and dinner parties when I didn't, you know, I was a little shy, a little antisocial at times, but also could perform when I needed to. So there was a lot of back and forth with that. And I felt like, honestly, she really helped me work some of that out. But Booker, so when I met him, he was six years old and I just became his immediate dog mom and as an adult. And I wasn't, you know, I wouldn't say, I think Agatha more as my sibling. And, you know, she was like my sister, my friend. And I really felt like Booker's mom when I came into Matt and Booker's life. And I had to take responsibility. I mean, things like going to the vet and, you know, he was, he had a surgery, he had several surgeries and then he was starting to fail, you know, and I really had to show up in a way that I never had. Even when my beloved grandfather died, you know, I still regret that I wasn't able to show up more for him or for that experience. It was just too much. I hadn't really learned how to face that kind of grief. And Booker really taught me that, I have to say. I, I just felt like, you know, we. I mean, Matt and I dug for a week. We dug a huge hole in our backyard for a week, knowing we were going to say goodbye to him at the end of all that. And, you know, I just let myself go through all of the feelings instead of avoid them. So he really, you know, it took me a couple of years to write about him, but I wrote an essay that was published. Um, I'd never planned on writing a memoir. That was not my idea. An editor found the essay and asked me to, and I of course said immediately yes. And then I thought, oh my gosh, what did I just say? Yes. <laughs> But it was even writing the book, I mean, for, you know, it took a couple years, but it was like just the most therapeutic thing. And I, it also allowed me to think of all the dogs in my life in this way that I, you know, I anthropomorphize, I do all the things we all do with our dogs, but it really actually allowed me the time and space to think about what they really have meant to me and what, why are we, we so attached to them? And why, why is this, you know, I mean... So many people have dogs, especially I know in the pandemic, I know a lot have come home with people, which is great, but it really allowed me the space to think about that on almost a more philosophical level. I think that's what was so, one of the things as my dog like shakes and rattles in the middle that made it so poignant was like that the, the macro like extrapolation of like what it all means, right? It's like, what does it mean? Like, what do, what do dogs know? What do we know? Like, are we, and just the sort of souls sort of circulating all of that. It, it just was beautiful. It's like, I mean, I'm, you know, anyway, tell me about the title for two seconds. What is a dog? Did you have other titles? Why did you pick this title? I know it's discussed, but I'm just curious. Yeah, sure. I will say just, I have to say this. <laughs> Moms don't have time to have kids is my favorite title. Thank you. <laughs> like the best ever. Thank you. As the mom of two young kids. So my it came out of the essay that I wrote. I just I kept asking there there was kind of a repetitive meditation almost. You know, what is a dog? Like, mm-hmm. you know, at one point, you know, I grew up so when I was born, my parents had a dog. 
she was old and she was their first baby. She was an Afghan hound. And I just, I never knew life without dogs. You know, she and I, I don't know that I really bonded with her. She died when I was about four or five. And I don't think she was thrilled with my arrival, <laughs> but she was, she was kind to me. She wasn't, you know, she wasn't aggressive in any way. So I think you, that's you when said I, you had like one picture or something of you guys together. Right. And that was it. <laughs> that's right. And, you know, but she was a big, I mean, she's, Afghans are big. So it was a big presence in our house. And we had an apartment in Brooklyn at the time. Well, I was born in Miami. So it was first there, but I don't remember Miami. I, I moved when I was 18 months old to Brooklyn with my parents and easy, the Afghan hound. And she, she, when she died, you know, when I was thinking about that experience, I do remember her. I just kept asking, like, I was, I, I guess I just started well, okay, I should back up a little bit. So my editor was really helpful in saying, I want you to think about this book as a meditation on dogs. And that was just, I kept coming back to that line. And when I started to think about her and my experience with her, it suddenly occurred to me, like, it's so interesting, you know, kids who don't grow up with certain, th- you know, you, you grow up the way you grow up. So I grew up with dogs, some people don't. But at some point I must've been like, what is this thing <laughs> that doesn't look like us? And so I, it just, it was really just a line that came out of the essay when I imagined my first, the first time I thought, what is a dog? Or like, you know, what is this? <laughs> so love it. Yeah. And tell me about your relationship. Cause I know you mentioned in the acknowledgements to John Irving, who's like, I'm like the biggest fan of ever. Okay. What is he just like a neighborhood friend of yours? And you, what? No. No. So I was very lucky enough to, my first job out of college from 97 to 99, I was his assistant and I worked with him and his wife and I lived in Vermont nearby, but I worked out of their house and I would take care of their house and their dog Dickens Yep. <laughs> whenever they left, you know, the country to travel or whatever. So it was oh, my. very special. I know it was a very special experience. Wow. that's And he taught me so, I mean, Truly, he's the one. I mean, I've had such wonderful mentors. Jim Shepard in college was certainly, I mean, he's actually, he shepherded me (laughs) that job, but in terms of my writing, but John really taught me just watching him and observing him and, you know, working with him every day, the, the kind of athleticism of writing, you know, like the, it's not, I don't know. I took it very preciously for a while, as a lot of us do. And I would be in Brooklyn coffee shops with my computer, like everyone else, just kind of trying to write. And, you know, stuff happened. I mean, I I feel like it was all practice for sure. But John, he really, it was kind of eye-opening because I was also an athlete as a young, younger person. I'm still athletic, but I I was a squash player and a, a softball player. And so I knew about practice and I knew about, you know, honing your skills and all of that, but, and putting the time in, but John had such a diligent schedule, you know, he would get up at, you know, early in the morning, be, he'd already be at the type at that time he, he, he used a typewriter. And what was hilarious is I was so nervous that part of my interview would be to see how I type because I type with two fingers. I never learned how to type <laughs> properly. And so does he. <laughs> he types with two fingers. Oh my gosh. 
I think he now uses a computer, but he used a typewriter, this like amazing typewriter, and he would just click it out. And I would transcribe all of that into the computer upstairs. Oh my gosh. Yes. What book was he working on then? A Widow for One Year. Oh my God. That was so good. I think that was one of my favorites. And Prayer for Owen Meany, but anyway. Yeah, Prayer for Owen, oh my gosh. Yeah. I loved loved A Widow for One Year. I remember when that came out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what he was working on. But But his... His taking writing not as a precious thing and just like and kind of a job. Actually, I heard so I, I listen to a lot of comedian podcasts these days. I really relate to, I don't know, it's I think it's the the both well, the humor, but the darkness too in it all. Yep. yep. Anyway, Mike Verbigli is one of my favorites. And he said the other day something like, treat it like it's a job until it is. Yeah. And, Loved that so much because I think that's a John, I don't know. I, I just feel like that's, it is a job. I mean, you treat it like a job and you just show up. It's not, you know, you can definitely have moments of inspiration. It's not like that doesn't exist, but it helped to take, it helped me to see that when you take the kind of magic dream out of it <laughs> in a way yeah, and you just keep showing up every day. I mean, some days are going to be terrible. Some days are going to be great, but you just keep showing up. Wow. What a way to sort of enter the literary world. So what did you do after that? Then I went to work for Vogue magazine for two years, which was a really good experience. It definitely was not like a great fit for me. Where I was, it, it was, meaning that I was in the features department, you know, working on cultural pieces and, you know, books and liter, you know, theater and dance and movies. And that was, it was really fun for two years. I just knew it wasn't a long-term situation. Did you dress for the part? I mean, I not, (laughs) I tried as best as I could (laughs) and it was not, and I failed. (laughs) I interned at Vanity Fair one summer and I just don't dress very, I mean, I am just not that, I don't know. I did my best too. I think I did my best in those two years. And then it was, yeah, it was fun to walk over to the fashion site. It was funny. The office is in two sections. And so the features department's on one side and the fashion is on the other side. At least it was back in the day. And it was always fun to go back there. And you might run into like Serena Williams trying on some gown and you're like, oh my gosh. Wow. I mean, it was amazing. But I was also like, oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be in my jeans right now. Like, I, yeah, I, I enjoy dressing up sometimes, but it's not my natural habitat. Yeah, yeah. I get it. And but then what? Great experience. Then I got my MFA at Bennington on, in fiction writing, and that's a low residency program. So it's, you don't have to, it's not, you're not on campus full time. So you have to be there t- for two 10 day sessions once in June and once in January for two years. So the first year I actually lived here in Connecticut. And then the second year I moved to LA for a year just because my friends were moving to LA and I could be anywhere. And I just thought I'd never do something like that. And I lasted 364 days (laughs) as we were, as my uncle was driving me out of town. I was like, wow, I didn't last a full year. And it was such a fun year, but it's, I am just such an East Coaster. I don't know. It just was not my thing. Which part of LA did you live in? North Hollywood. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. I lived in, I did, I have similar things in that I grew up in New York. I spent a summer at Bennington doing a fiction writing program when I was 16. Oh, 16. Yeah. And then fiction and photography. And then after college, I lived in LA for two years. So I made it two years. Wow. You made it two years. I made it two years. And I was like, I miss my home, but now I spend a lot of time there and I like going back, back and forth. But like, I always feel like this is home and like that's vacation land and I love vacation land, but then I need to like get a dose of home. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything, it might be time to work on those things. And I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because... Even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help, and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. It's so, that's exactly the way I felt. I felt like the phrase that keeps coming to mind is like, I didn't want to put my roots down there. My roots were back here. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it's even weather related. I, (laughs) I would wake up, I mean, of all things, I'd wake up and see the sun and be like, oh my God, it's another sunny day. You know, <laughs> it's like, it, I don't, I didn't know what time of year it was. I didn't know. I mean, they have sort of seasons, like, but it just, I really longed for that cycle that I've, I've known my whole life. So yeah, I came back. <laughs> and then when did you... I'm trying to get to your book yeah, <laughs> through, the, through the life story up till the book. So what happened? Then you came back, you did your MFA 
I didn't even know you could get an MFA in 20 days a year. That's pretty awesome. And then... Well, two years though. I was working the whole time, but you can be away from the actual campus. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then what? And then I came back to Brooklyn and I ended up getting a job at a law firm called Skadden Arps. I've heard of it. A word yes. processor, which it was really, aside from John Irving being his assistant and being in that house with them and being in their family, I really along with that, it was the work community was so great that my, all my fellow, so I, we worked for all the lawyers, obviously, just honestly editing their documents. They would just hand us documents. We'd format them. You know, I had to learn all this stuff, still typing with two fingers, which I tried to hide, which I guess I did for a lot of years, but all of my coworkers were aspiring writers, musicians, artists, actors, you know, it just was so, it was such a wonderful community of people to be around. I did have to learn. So when I started, I, you have to start with at least one graveyard shift. So I had to work from 11 PM to 7 AM, which I'd never done in my life. Oh, <laughs> that took getting used to, but you know, it allowed me time to write. I mean, basically I just committed at that point to trying to get some writing done. You know, the job paid well and it was flexible. And then I ended up actually going full time there. So I just worked during the daytime. And that's when I met Matt and Booker, who I, you know, as you read, I guess, I had just come out of a, a bad breakup and did not have any interest in meeting <laughs> this guy at all. But my beloved friend from college was like, no, you need to meet this guy. And she kept she just wouldn't let up. And then she finally said, I don't think I told you he had a dog. He has a dog. And I said, hmm. <laughs> I'd meet the dog, <laughs> you know? And so we went on a walk together, the three of us, actually, the four, she has a dog. She had a dog at that time, JJ too. And it was like instantaneous. And we, we went to college together. We just didn't know each other. I was a freshman and he was a senior. And once we kind of got talking, I realized we had some friends in common, but I didn't know him in college. So wow. that was it. And Booker, you know, so that's why also to come back to what you asked me initially, like about this book, I mean, Booker also is why we, was why I agreed to even meet my husband. Wow. So wow. it was pretty special. And he, he really was one of those dog of dogs. Yeah. Well, your description of you know, is this dog's quality of life worth living? How do I know? Like, yeah. when does he, when does the dog tell you, you know, and you're lying about how, you know, animals just know or something like, but how do you know as the human when you're responsible for that? And the other dog, like coming to say, oh my gosh. I mean, I actually, my husband's filming a movie right now and I was like on the set for one day and I was chatting with one of the people on the crew. And of course, as I do, I'm like, oh, what are you, you know, is anybody reading anything? What are you reading? And she was, she's like, oh, I'm too busy to read, you know, with all these projects. And I was like, yeah, well, actually my podcast is Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And she's like, oh, haha. well, I'm a dog mom. I'm not a real mom. And I was like, oh, I have the best book for you. You have to read What is a Dog? I had just started it. And she's like, oh, okay. And I was like, where do you usually get your books? And she's like, well, usually I just get them off this app at the library, you know, and then it like downloads. I don't even know. Anyway, I was like, I'm just going to like send you a copy. So I, oh. <laughs> I like took out my phone. I was like, just put your address here on Amazon. And I'm just going to, I shouldn't even say Amazon, but I did 
do it because it was really fast. And I was like, anyway, I'm sorry. I will repent. But anyway, I had her enter her address. And anyway, I sent her a book and it got there yesterday. So. <laughs> Thank you. But I know she'll love it because anybody who loves dogs will love this book. It's like it can't help but tug at your heartstrings and raise really important questions. My brother's dog is like on its on his last legs, poor Raleigh. And I mean, it's just it's just such an important reflection on such an emotional, important time of life that that doesn't get elevated to the mainstream conversation that often. So well, and yeah, I guess that's what I, you know, for so long I just you know, avoided that kind of feeling, you know, even with Agatha when she died when I was 18 and my mom took her off and I I said goodbye to her, but I just, I think we all knew she was not coming back, but she, she took her off. And I, you know, I even reflecting on what that day was like for my mom, you know, just to go by herself. I mean, having now gone through Booker and I actually my so when I met Matt I had two cats who I loved and one of them both of them died within the last five years but one of them died like right as the pandemic was starting I just took him by myself to the vet and I knew it was time he was really sick and he was my he was my first baby I had him when I was back in Brooklyn so he was 15 though he lived a nice long life but I didn't even have time to mourn him. I mean, it was like, that was the week my kids came home from school and just never went back. I mean, not never, they're back now, but you know, for a really long time. And, you know, I just, I think I've always felt like, you know, I have, I have friends who've lost children. I have friends who've lost spouses. We all know people in our lives with that heartache. And I would never compare those griefs they're, they're different, but they also are both very real. And so I also just wanted to reach out to, to people who feel that. And it, it almost feels sometimes embarrassing to feel so sad about a pet dying or being sick. My, one of my dogs, Otter has, has had two leg surgeries in the last eight weeks. And I've been a dog mom, dog nurse for like, oh, so much. And he's had a rough time. He's doing well now, but I've been in tears many nights about it with my husband. And I think because maybe writing the book, I feel like that's valid. It's okay. It is valid. It's it's very upsetting. Mm -hmm. And to not be able to communicate easily too and be like, you're going to be okay. This is going to hurt for a while, but you're going to be okay. We can't communicate in the same way. So you have to adjust. Well, I... It is a hundred percent shared by so many, and that love. I mean, it's you know, there is something like the act itself of taking care of something engenders love between people, babies, pets, all of it. Right? The more you take care of something, the more you love them. <laughs> anyway, and any time that love is threatened to be taken away, that's that's huge. That's the most painful thing there is. It's like losing love. What's, what's worse than that? Anyway. Okay. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Just don't stop. (laughs) Don't, you know, I mean, it's pretty simple and been said many times, but also what I said, I mean, I'm 46 years old and I, in high school, when I read Sandra Cisneros's house on Mango street is when I was like, I want to do this. (laughs) I don't know how she did this, but I want to do this. And I really haven't stopped. You know, there've been plenty of failures, but I think don't stop. 
don't give up. But also what I was saying earlier about John Irving, I think is really important and, and not make it just too precious, but show up, you know, whether it's like you have one hour in the morning or you, you know, you set a time, you almost make it a little bit regimented. That's worked for me. And I know it's not for everybody, but it's worked for me to be, you know, now that I have kids, it's a little different, but I would always just get up. I would stumble (laughs) toward the computer. I would get some coffee, stumble toward the computer and just let myself like, that was the first thing before I looked at anything on the internet, before I talked to anybody, before I did a single thing, I just let my mind work and wake up. My husband has a poet friend who he used to wake himself up at 4 a.m. to write because he said his internal editor wasn't awake yet, which I thought was so wonderful. (laughs) That used to be, I, I don't quite do that anymore because of kids and all the other responsibilities, but it, it, it was my favorite time to work was like first thing before you even know what's going on in the world. Yeah. It just feels like this pure moment. So I think that those are my two. Amazing. By the way, have you talked to Jenna Bloom? Do you know her? The author who wrote Woodrow on the Bench? No. Okay. You two have to do an event together or okay. she came, her book came out yesterday and she's amazing. She runs a mighty blaze also, which I'll email you right after this together. Okay. Actually, I don't have your email, but if you get to my email through your publicist or I something, will. then, yeah. but you two should definitely, and I'm happy to like moderate or something, but there should be a dog love event somewhere between the two of you. So let me know if you want me to try to right. together. Okay. <laughs> but you two should talk. Okay. All right. Well, have a great day. And thanks for coming on Mom's No Time to Read Books. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 